The views expressed on this podcast are those of the participants, not of Reuters News. Welcome to The Views Room, a podcast from Reuters Breaking Views. I'm Jennifer Saba, and I'm joined by my colleagues Anthony Curry and Anna Shemansky. Hi, Anthony, and hi, Anna. Hello. Hello. All right, so what on earth went wrong in Iowa this week? Later in the show, we'll delve into the debacle at the state's caucuses to select a Democratic candidate for U.S. president. Before that, we're going to tackle another conundrum. What the blazes is going on with Tesla's stock price? It is now one of the most valuable company car companies in the world. Yeah, that's car right. It's now actually just... the only car company that's worth more than it is, is, te- is than Tesla is Toyota, which boggles the mind in so many different ways. I mean, Tesla has only just become profitable and only over the past two quarters. So if you think this company went public about a decade ago, and in that entire time it has managed to post five quarters of uh, positive income. And that's it. Two of those being the, the past two. Uh-huh. And it's minimal as well. And they have right. other challenges. They've got, to, they've got to grow. They've got to spend more money on, on uh, research, development, CapEx, everything else. Not to take away from their momentum, but you think back, go back to May when this company was worth probably about a quarter of what it is now. People worried that the capital raise it had just done wasn't enough. Elon Musk was about to go on trial for uh, defaming um, a, a, um, a caver who helped save those, those, the Thai football team uh, that was stuck, uh, what, a couple of years ago? Yeah. And it looked like it was really struggling to, to crank out growth. And it still looks like it's struggling to crank out proper growth. Frankly, a lot of, um, uh, it seems like it may have reached a peak in the US. That may change. It's trying to build in China and, and elsewhere like Europe. Uh, the coronavirus may well get in the way as well but suddenly you know over the just this year it's almost doubled in stock even with the drop we've seen over the past couple of sessions um and it's it just boggles my mind frankly it makes no sense yeah, I mean, uh, part of it has to be at least the recent move has to be short covering, right? To an extent, like that, there are various things you can look at. So it's short covering, so it was a quite highly shorted stock. So as the stock price started going up last year, and then especially beginning of this year, um, yeah, you've got to cover your shorts. Uh, on the other hand, you've also got things like you know, the, the, the more profitable it becomes, if it hits, I think, is it four or five quarters of profitability, it can be considered to go in the S&P 500 index, which means lots of uh, tracker funds have to buy it. Maybe they're getting in early. I'm, I'm so skeptical about that one. But look, it's also it, it is doing much better than it was, although it's a relatively low bar. I'm talking profitability here. And um, there are issues with, with whether the car is, is uh, the car quality is good enough, whether aftercare once you've bought a car is good enough. But look, we know that this car company is now making more cars and can make more cars. Um, but we'll look, we looked at a various uh, few numbers here and we thought, look, to justify the valuation, and this was before it got to really crazy levels, we were looking at it having to really sell. If you think about this as a purely traditional car company, it would have to sell. Four million plus cars to justify a share price of like six hundred dollars a share. So now we're in the sort of seven hundred and fifty range. It's going to be even more. Now, the, what other people say is, look, yes, that may be true, but it's not. We're not just looking at traditional car companies anymore. We're looking. In fact, General Motors was talking about this on its Investor Day this week. We're looking at the ability at some point in the future to have not just electric vehicles but autonomous vehicles, where there is a much more potential to make a lot more money and change the dynamics of the car industry and the way that car, and car makers make money for good. And that is true as well. The big question is when. Right. I mean, I've, I've heard, I heard an analyst, you know, mention that when we're looking at a company like Tesla, you know, we can't think of it as just a car company. We almost have to think of it like an Apple being valued in that way and being hardware 
software and services and thinking of yeah, what this um, could achieve. Yes, you can, but also it's a question of, you know, Apple didn't Apple had other competitors but not for example for really the iPhone or the iPod particularly they, they got ahead of the curve. Actually I suppose to an extent Tesla did as well with electric vehicles, but it's just replacing part of the powertrain with something that fundamentally ought to be coming along anyway. Although Tesla's the one that's really pushed this obviously. We're still talking about a, a market that is what a, a best 2% penetration of total cars sold at the moment. And Tesla has about a quarter of that, which is pretty good, right? You've got a quarter of a market share of a grow, very, what ought to be a fast growing business, even with all these problems they've got. So if you think, uh, here's Tesla, which is a, uh, at the forefront of, of trying to develop electric vehicles and maybe autonomous vehicles as well. Um, you know, th there's no easy way to play that in this particular space or in many spaces around it, right? You can look at some of the um, uh, suppliers as well, but you know, they are still very much entrenched in traditional businesses. Even GM, but GM's got a, a division cruise that is allegedly worth uh, almost 20 billion based on the investments it's got from SoftBank and Honda over the past couple of years. But whenever it comes up with a new announcement, it doesn't get about its, its latest um, self-driving vehicle. It never gets anything like the attention uh, that Tesla gets. I think when it came out with its, its uh, cruise origin a couple of weeks ago, the share price hardly moved. Tesla can move 10, 20% in a day at the moment on, on, on nothing. So you know, Tesla is the one place people seem to be focusing their attention on whether or not the car of the future is actually going to come through. But like I said earlier on, there's challenges for EVs, electric vehicles, and there's big challenges for autonomous vehicles, mostly around when they'll get when they get regulatory approval and also people like you and me wanting to get in them and say, I'll happily not be behind the wheel, I'll happily not be looking out the road, I'll happily be looking as if I'm in the back of a London cab, just looking at my fellow passengers and not actually even looking out the front of the car anymore. That I think is a long way off. But the the potential revenue for that is huge if you get it right and if you get enough cars on the road at scale. But that is way off in the future. All right. Thank you, Anthony, for that. Ah, pleasure. Always happy to go all over the place with this thing as the stock goes. So now we'll move on to Iowa, and we have Gina Chun from San Francisco. Hi, Gina. Hey, guys. And uh, my first question, I think I'll go to you, Jen. Maybe if you could tell me what exactly happened and what we can take away from this. Yeah, it was an absolute debacle. So just to kind of set the stage here, um, this was the first state-by-state -state contest to determine who the Democratic candidate is going to be for uh, the U.S. president to challenge Donald Trump uh, in November. And basically, Iowa sort of famed for having these caucuses, which is this very sort of complex and antiquated system. So what, um, what happens at a caucus? Well, I will tell you. Excellent. Um, so uh, effectively, what happens is um, the state is divided into about 1,600 precincts, and they have designated spots, so like a school gymnasium, for example. And then people physically have to show up at a gym and basically kind of run to a corner in support of their candidate. So they kind of group up and then there's a threshold. So they have to make, the candidate has to have a 15% threshold um, to progress. And if they don't have that threshold, then basically let's just pretend that a group for Andrew Yang, they don't make the threshold and they have to run off and you know figure so out who else they're gonna go with. Okay, so, so if they don't get a threshold in one particular precinct. 
In what was a particular round. And round, right. right. So, so there's, 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 there's several rounds. rounds. There are multiple exactly. rounds. They're, they're, you know, sometimes there are candidates who all make the threshold. I mean, it's just a complete, confusing, complex And how many states do, a, do caucuses? Is it just Iowa? There are a handful of them. Gina, you might know a little more about this, but I think Wyoming is one of them than, like, territories yeah. in Guam. Nevada's the big one that's next. Um, and don't forget the coin toss as well, right. if there's a tie. Yep. <laughs> there's the very democratic process of a coin toss. Oh, excellent. Well, at least it's, it, it, you know, you, you can't go wrong with that unless you cheat with a double-sided, a double-headed coin. Um, so, so, I mean, I was just here, I mean, I've, I've, I've heard about this in the past. I've kind of watched it, not paid much attention. The first time I paid big attention to it because it was a mess. It strikes me that what we get here is, um, A, as Jen, as you're alluding to, you actually have to physically turn up and be there for a while in a certain area, as opposed to just turning up, marking your ballot and, and getting lost. Right. Um, but also, having heard some of the stuff on the t- on TV and radio, it seems like you can attract candidates not by your policies or by your charisma, but by cookies, uh, actually offering cookies to people. That actually got some people to switch at, at various points. The whole thing seems very bizarre. Why does the Democratic Party use this? And, and let's get back to the main thing. Why the hell did it go wrong? Or how did it go wrong? Well, look, I'll, I'll cover the first or the last part of that question about how it went wrong. And then I'll toss the other part to, to Gina, because I think Gina probably has some more insight into it. But so basically what happened was, as you can imagine, it's comically complex and like trying to gather all this information is hard. And basically what happened is they decided to develop a mobile app um, to kind of get the process you know, going and, and to speed it along. To speed it up, get it into the 20th 21st well, century. apparently, but it, that just completely flopped. And then um, the backup system, which was an actual just 1-800 number for people to call in, it, they were flooded with phone calls. And right. so basically, here we are today. What is it? Wednesday? Wednesday so 36 hours later, Thir- if not more. <laughs> and, and one other thing I would and say. And we don't know the results. And, and it was more than just the app, too. It was also that they had rules changes after the 2016 primaries. It was part of the reason you had to have these multiple different results that all had to be reconciled. And that has also been part of the reason that there's been such a delay. All right. So it's a technological failure. It's a governance failure. Um, what does this What does this mean? Gina, we'll get to you in a minute on, on you know, why on earth the Democrats and possibly even the Republicans. In, 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 do they, the Republicans do caucuses as well? They do. So we'll get to that yes, in a minute. Yes, they do. Um, but um, what, so what happens next? What, what does this tell us? I mean, uh, Jen and Gina, you wrote a piece uh, this week, basically comparing this situation to what would happen if a company did this. Gina, why don't you um, sort of jive in on that? What, the, the, the idea being what, that we got activists should jump in and, and, and just sort it all out? Yeah, and sort of the uh, theoretically more efficient uh, corporate world, you would see, you know, someone like a uh, Nelson Peltz or um, Paul Singer of Elliott Management uh, come in as they have in various uh, situations, whether it's it's General Electric or or other companies, and push for change. Uh, unfortunately, in politics. Um, there may be pushes for change, but it could be sort of long and torturous. And as Anna mentioned, uh, with some of the recent changes um, with with Iowa and, and other uh, parts of the democratic process um, could actually even make things worse. So then going back to what, why is this done? Why do they actually even use caucuses? Why is that still on the docket? And, it, and given this, this, this problem this year, is there a chance that that gets somehow overturned? Yeah, well, it's it's definitely uh, been a growing problem. This actually isn't the first time that Iowa wasn't able to produce a final result in a timely manner. Um, this happened in 2016 as well, where there was a pretty close race 
between the Democratic candidates then, uh, Hillary Clinton and Bernie Sanders, uh, who were basically in a virtual tie. And, and there were a lot of precincts that did end up having to do these coin tosses and uh, resulted in, in a delay, though not as bad as this most recent one. Um, but basically, it's been tradition. I was prided itself on being the first one out of the gate to uh, make its voice known in these presidential elections. And it's held on dearly to that uh, to that role. And you saw um, some of the state's senators and the governor come out and try to tout the benefits of it um, in terms of retail politics and, you know, having real voices be a part of the process um, is one of the reasons why the system should be kept in place. But obviously, with some of the problems that have been creeping up, especially the most recent results, uh, there will definitely be more pushes for change, um, even, you know, some calling for scrapping Iowa's role altogether. Yeah, and, and I think it's important to remember that these changes do happen. The system that exists today, the way the primaries and caucuses work and their significance is not actually that old. And in 68, after you had the kind of debacle there at the Democratic, the very violent at the Democratic National Convention, there were significant changes made. So I think th- there is a precedent for things actually moving forward. I'm going to be devil's advocate here. Does it matter that the results are delayed a bit? It's a bit of a mess, but I mean, is it really a timely manner, not in a timely manner if we're waiting two or three days? I mean, frankly, how much does it really matter? Traditionally, I would say it can matter a bit. And by traditionally, again, I mean since like the 70s, that you have had this Iowa bump. That if a candidate, even if they're a lesser known candidate, does very well in Iowa, that can potentially mean that they'll do significantly better in future races. Now, there are some arguments that that, that bump has been declining in significance. And so you you could argue, well, today, if all anyone's talking about is how bad everything was and not as much talking about the person who actually mm. may have won, then they may not get as much of a bump. Right. Um, and here's, here's the other thing. So how long does this process go on for? This goes on to the convention, basically, in, in what, August? July. In July. 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 So, so why, yeah. wh- why don't we just have a single vote on the same day across the country for these candidates why why drag it on so much that way you can focus on what everyone's saying get it all done at the same time there's no worries about bumps here this that and the other based on what people in a state that has nothing to do uh, what's iowa got really to do with new hampshire or new york or california or texas apart from being one of the 50 states this kind of influence strikes me as being rather bizarre why not just do it on one day i assume it's never going to happen but why not i mean i i think that that's a very good question. And I think a lot of people would probably argue that it would be a lot cheaper to do that as well. You wouldn't have candidates having to spend as much money as they do going to every single state. It also would mean you wouldn't have one state that would have such um, such significance. I mean, I think with a lot of things in American politics, when you say, why do we have these systems? It all goes back to our like kind of federal beginnings as, right. as people caring about their states more than their country. And, and so changing these things isn't easy. But as I've said... They have happened in the past. Like the primaries and caucuses used to not matter. <laughs> it used to be the, that you had the parties just chose the candidates. Yeah. Well, and the reason why it's it's such a big deal now, just to kind of put a fine point on this, is this is probably one of the most highly charged elections that we're heading into right. in November. And the candidates for the Democratic um the, you know, the, for the Democratic Party, there are a lot of them, and they're they're all trying to kind of winnow the, the 
the playing field. So you have that issue. But then you also have um, the State of the Union address, which was uh, Tuesday night, on top of the impeachment trial, which, um, as we talk now on Wednesday, the Senate is expected to acquit President Donald Trump. Um, So in that atmosphere, when it's the first thing out of the gate for the Democratic Party, and they just completely fall flat on their face because they can't even give you somewhat of a front runner because this has been a huge issue. Like no one knows who is going to come out of this race. It just looks really mm. bad. Well, again, I would, I would go back and say, you know, we're, it's it's February. The elections in November doesn't really matter, really, if there's not a front runner apart from the fact that people want to see a front runner. So why not let it play out? I mean, it will anyway. We'll see different results in different states. Um, but let's let's tie this back into. Uh, uh, what we like to get into, which is the financial world. It strikes me, you know, obviously we've got the coronavirus. We've got other issues out there, like we just talked about uh, Tesla's wild and crazy stock ride earlier on. Um, what, if anything, has, has this does this mean for investors uh, for Wall Street, Gina? Is there anything they're going to care about this? Or is it, as, as Jen was saying, the lack of a front runner gives them even more pause? I mean, it it definitely matters to them in terms of uh, who is going to come out on top. I mean, obviously, they've been worried about, you know, someone like a Bernie Sanders, a, a self-avowed socialist, or an Elizabeth Warren, who's been attacking their industry, um, if they ha- saw a surge versus uh, someone like former Vice President Joe Biden, or who did uh, seem to come out on top on Iowa um Mayor Pete Buttigieg, who are more on the moderate side, and um, especially for Mayor Pete, kind of comes from that world with his McKinsey background, uh, would be much more favorable. So they are also keeping an eye on this, um, not just from a policy front, but also uh, where they may choose to put their donor money. Yeah, I mean, I, I think I would always advise that if you kind of look in election years, how markets move. You certainly will see markets move on news related to the elections. However, honestly, it, it doesn't make a tremendous amount of sense. Because if you look at you know, Democratic and Republican administrations and you look at how markets actually perform, how Wall Street actually does, there is very, very to actually no evidence that there is a correlation between a less business friendly, quote unquote, candidate and Wall Street performing worse. Right. Right. Thanks, Anna. Thanks, Gina. That's our show for this week. We extend our gratitude, as always, to our producers, Freddie Joyner, Rich Mitchell, and Lauren Miller. And thanks to you, our listeners, for tuning in. Check us out every day at breakingviews.com. Subscribe to The Views Room and our sister show, The Exchange, on iTunes, SoundCloud, or wherever else you get your podcast kicks. And please do share your opinions about our shows. Join us again next week for another edition.